What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. It is Dog Talk with your host, Holden. Glad to have you guys here as we get geared up to preview the Georgia and Kentucky game. We've got a big matchup that's coming up this weekend. Georgia and Kentucky, like I talked about right there, up the top two undefeated teams. You've got 5-0, number 20 ranked uh, Kentucky that Georgia is playing host to number one ranked 5-0 Georgia Bulldogs. Keeping this thing rocking and rolling. So exciting to see Georgia continue this. We've got a big matchup, though, this weekend, not only in SEC, but also in division uh, with Kentucky being in the East with Georgia. This is something that could line up to be a deciding factor for how the East ends up. Uh, Most people, I think, out there are going to continue to say that they believe Georgia is that team to beat in the East. And until they get beat, that's the way that it is. Um, It's kind of wild to really look at the ranking, though, and see Georgia as one. Kentucky at 20. Same record. I know everything's based off of last year. That's where we're going to start today. I ended that way kind of on the last episode, and I'm going to start kind of the same way uh, this week, is we have to quit putting so much emphasis on Georgia and what they did last year and start to focus on what they're doing this year because it's not the same football team. The problem with me saying that is, one – uh, graphic that I'm going to have for you guys here on YouTube here in a minute. It does somewhat reference back to uh, last year. And it's the only thing that I'll reference back to last year just because of the way that uh, really just because of the way that we're playing right now this year to give you a reference. And I know sometimes we reference things from last year in stats. I think that's different from having the conversation of what Georgia was last year, what Georgia was the year before that. That's different. Having a conversation about what they were in comparison to having a like comparison in stats is a couple of different things. Um, because I can stats look at Carson Beck and see how he's doing so far this season. He's fine. He's doing great. Matter of fact, he's doing better than Stetson in some aspects. Only thing he's got to clean up is when he looks downfield, which he's gotten much better at, we got to get accurate. we st- we got to start getting accurate uh, with those passes with guys that are deep downfield was talking with a guy at a football game tonight about this exact thing is he has not played competitive football. I've said it on this show. He hasn't played competitive football in a game that actually matters in years. It's been two or three years since he's done that. And the last time he did it, it was in a, in a, in a high school game. It wasn't in a college game. So we kind of have to temper our, our uh, expectation of him being perfect right off the get. Yes, we're five weeks in. He's still got some things that he's got to figure out. But I'm fairly certain everybody who watched Stetson Bennett in the past, you had the same things where you were not buying into him at the beginning. We all know after that first, even after the first national championship, some people still hadn't bought into the guy. And he leads you to win to win two of them, not just one, but two. Uh, so we, we, we've got to let the guy settle in. He hadn't, he hadn't played a game that truly matters until now as a starter because when he's been put in it's mop-up duty when you're beating tcu 65 to 7 he doesn't have that much that he has to lose when you're beating uab 56 to nothing it's kind of the same thing the times that he's gotten in so yes i understand that the practice that he plays against our defense that should be a competitive drive and it is but you still have to understand it's not the same thing it's not the same thing as getting out there and being the guy being the guy so the conversation part of comparing us to seasons past gets a little bit aggravating because y'all expect Georgia to be exactly what they were last year or what they were in the 2021 season when they went to win the national championship. 
And that's just not the case. It's a different team. There's different aspects to this team that in, in some aspects it's hard for you to understand and believe it right now, but are better in some aspects than those teams were. Then there are aspects that we are not better than those teams in past. Case in point, Kirby talked about this on a press conference. I think it was midweek. Georgia, we might start fast in the first quarter in years past, but the third quarter we don't. And some of that is because of the possession that you give. If we're you know, taking it in the first half and we're giving it to them uh, at the start of the second half, you don't have that possession on the third quarter. But Georgia in the third quarter this season is doing phenomenal, outscoring opponents a lot. I know a couple of weeks ago it was 56 to nothing. Um, I don't know what it is after Auburn. I didn't do the math on all that. But Georgia is still scoring a ton of points in the third quarter, which is something in the past we haven't necessarily done. Uh, so if you want to look at that, there there's a positive from it. Carson Beck is right on track where he should be. And, and in games that are competitive and, and games that he has opportunity to struggle, he has done well in. Um, really only one blemish on the season. I know it shows two on his interception on his stat line. Uh, but one of those, again, tip ball drills, I kind of equate those as not being – true interceptions they are they are they count against you uh, but a tip ball to me especially one that goes off of your players hands that should have been caught those are really hard for me to put on the quarterback's head as opposed to maybe that wide out who didn't catch the ball you know it's different if you get hit in the helmet and you're not paying attention I, there's there's understanding to that but against Auburn, that was a true one. Uh, so uh, he's right on pace. You know, there's I, I don't think there's any argument to truly be had uh, against Carson Beck anymore. I think it's let let the guy play. Let the guy come out here and prove it to you a week in and week out instead of constantly just kind of berating him on not being what you've seen over the past two seasons. I think a lot of this has to do with his personality. He doesn't have a personality that is necessarily going to wow you as far as he's going out there and giving you the shooter McGavin or anything like that. It's not that. I think he he's just a cool, calm, collected guy in all atmospheres, in all stressful situations or not. As easy as it may come or as hard as it may come, he's very there. He's present. Doesn't necessarily look like he's fired up about a lot. But he, he's getting the job done. So let him get the job done and quit worrying about it uh, so much. I think we're going to be okay. My notes aren't popping up on my sheet here next to me. Uh, this is a good reason why in the future, you know, we, we like to use the computers and everything. But sometimes I think it's okay taking a little notepad and just writing some stuff down too for this very reason. So luckily I have some of my notes here. Um, but I don't have all of them. If you see up there in the corner, if you guys are watching on YouTube, uh, we've got the the – the pink breast cancer awareness ribbon floating up there. We are in the month of October, so that's something we're going to make sure that we put out uh, every week. One other thing that also came out that I shared on Twitter, I uh, may have done it on Instagram too, I can't remember, um, was in the press conference starting this this week, uh, Mark Richt was on, and he was talking about a cause that they are doing for a, a bowling uh, tournament, I think, for some of the players and some I think maybe also some donors as well that are coming to that, uh, that if you guys want to donate to, I think we shared the link for that. Um, that's, that's fighting against Parkinson's trying to find a cure. Um, and I can't remember what it is that, that his granddaughter has that, that was the same Crohn's disease. It may have been. Um, so a couple of good causes there as well, as we get into breast cancer awareness month, uh, that if you guys want to donate to, like I said, I, I, I shared that link there on Instagram or Twitter more than likely X whatever it's called at dog talk 20 on either one of them as you guys saw scrolling across the screen there on YouTube you guys uh, can check those out and we greatly appreciate it 
Um, one other bit of news that I did see that dropped earlier this week, the GHSA, the, so the Georgia High School Athletic Association, has approved NIL deals for high school athletes. I have not read very deeply into this. I don't really have a, a stance as far as how I feel on it. Not that it matters to you guys anyways because you know what we say about uh, opinions on this show. Everybody's got one. Everybody's entitled to one. So um, it could be interesting, though. I know Missouri, you know, one of one of the big kind of pulls for them in recruiting was the fact that that is a, a benefit to them in-state for, for players. Um, and I think one of the guys that Georgia was recruiting ended up going to Missouri, and it was a very big deal that he stayed, and, and that could have very well had a lot to do with that, having that in-state uh, NIL opportunity for high school kids um i think that may have helped keep him in state um and this this could be some of that similar similar kind of uh i guess situation here for georgia as well i don't know we're gonna see I, like i said i i don't really have a big stance i, I want to kind of get to know and understand a little bit more about it i've also seen that the ncaa for whatever reason has decided they're going to crack down more on this transfer portal situation I think it's way too late for them to decide to come into this. Did also see that uh, Trent was it Trez Marshall? I can't remember exactly who it is. The the UNC North Carolina guy got approved today. Finally, it's uh, he's been waiting five six weeks into the season to be approved to play for his team because the NCAA has just been sitting here on their thumb. It's like, what are y'all doing? Let the let the kid play. I mean, why in the world are you waiting five six weeks into the season to allow him to have the opportunity to play? when he could have been playing in all these big games before that. And that's going to make North Carolina more dangerous, just my opinion. It's a Georgia show, I know, but we're kind of talking about all the news and notes through here. Don't have a lot more on that other than maybe some injury updates. I've heard that Kirby has said Kendall Milton is slowly but surely kind of getting back into the fold. I think we'll see more of him this week. Lab McConkey, it was good to see him back last week. I expect to see him some more. Don't know about Broderick. I doubt we see him. Uh, Marius Mims, he's still out for a couple more weeks. Um, and then obviously we got Javon Buller back too. I know one of the questions in his early week presser uh, asked about him and seeing him limp out on Saturday after that post game uh, conference. That's just soreness, soreness and all that. But everything else seems pretty good. Seems like uh, we're starting to get healthy. Like I said, we still got some guys who are beat up. Marvis jo- or Marvin Jones, he's still beat up. A um, couple of the other guys, they're still a little beat up too. So we're not quite back to that 100% health. Um, and I think that's to be expected, but we're getting healthy at a good time as we start to get deeper into this season. Like I said, the 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 strength of schedule is starting to get better for Georgia because now you have a 20th ranked Kentucky on your on your board. You're going to have a a Missouri ranked team if they can take care of LSU this week coming up later into the season. Let's see, they may they may be ranked. We'll see. They've still got. Missouri's got LSU, and then they got to go to Kentucky and South Carolina. So they've got a they've got a few tough matchups before they get the bye week before getting to play uh, at Georgia when that time comes. So that to be determined on if Missouri is still ranked in that time. But they're Georgia, Kentucky, and and Missouri. Those are the only three undefeated teams left in the SEC, and they're all in the SEC East, which is kind of wild. But the SEC West is wide open. Uh, over there so but the the strength of schedule gets a lot better uh, for Georgia in that aspect because then you also have Tennessee um, I think Tennessee is still ranked 
I think they are. But anyways, you got them later on in the season too. So you got some you got some ranked matchups that are going to be happening, which is always good to have your strength of schedule uh, get a little bit stronger. Uh, right now, Georgia points per game thirty eight point six, good enough to be fifteenth in the country. Opponents points per game so defensively thirteen. That number has crept up over the past couple of weeks, especially after giving up twenty one to UAB and then giving up twenty. 20, yeah, 20 to uh, Auburn last week puts you 14th in the country as far as that goes. Like I said, that strength of schedule uh, is starting to strengthen a little bit, but we'll see how these rankings hold as we go to play um, all of these teams here coming up. So this is what we've got coming into this one. Kentucky, we talked about it right there off the top. 5-0 and team. Georgia gets to play host to them this week. Very excited for that. Uh, let's see if I can get my page to pull up here on youtube if you guys aren't watching on youtube make sure you guys go over uh, and check out the youtube channel i would greatly appreciate it let's talk about georgia's defense first and foremost before we dive deeper into this game georgia's rush defense so far this was the this was the stat this was the graphic i was telling you guys where i do kind of reference a little bit back to last year just so you have an idea just so you have a little bit of an idea the difference in what things look like last year in comparison to this year so last week uh, Georgia wins 27 to 20 versus Auburn. Gave up the most yards. I don't know exactly how long it's been, but gave up the most yards in a rushing game I've ever seen Georgia give up. Really, in a long time, I can't remember the last time that I watched Georgia really give up this many yards um, on defense. I'm sure it has happened as far as the rush game goes. Passing, yes, we've, we've given up 219 yards, plenty. Uh, but so far in 2023, we're averaging giving up. 113.4 yards a game this year so last year over the entire season not just five weeks in but the entire season georgia was only giving up 77.1 per game the entire season um i would i should have probably looked and been like let's see what it was five games in because that 2021 georgia defense that was a stout defense that was a defense that it was like man you don't run the ball but you really don't even score against georgia uh, on that defense last year it was pretty much a lot like that as well um and this year things are you know they're just different like i said it's not the same team that it's been the past couple of years you keep seeing all these talking heads have that same conversation that this is not the same same team i saw i think joe clatt may have even been one of the guys he was like uh this team just isn't the same and it's like yeah you're right they don't have to be they they have their own identity and being the 2023 georgia bulldogs not the 2022 not the 2021 doesn't mean that some of those guys that were on the team in those years aren't on the team now it means that the guys who were not are and that makes it a whole different team because those guys are the guys who have to contribute to that the guys who weren't here, they if they win at the end of the year, they don't put up the 2022 National Championship banner again. They don't put up the 2021 National Championship. They would put up the 2023. They would put up their own banner that was for their team. So we have to stop trying to assign it to being something from last year when it's not. It's just not. Again, this graphic is just to give you a comparison to how things were last year in comparison to this year. It's not the same team. And that's, that's where we're talking about it right here. Georgia's rush defense, is it a problem? I don't think so. I think Georgia's going to figure all this out again. You've got some beat-up pieces on the defense. You've got some things that you have to figure out. Georgia really hasn't had to compete too hard against a team that has a rushing quarterback. Uh, and last week, we just kind of got beat on that. We got beat on the edge in, in, in a couple of spots. Um, 
but I think Georgia cleans that up. It's it's very rare for Georgia, especially, to have a back-to-back game where you have a game like this where you're giving up uh, that many yards or that many points, especially giving up 20 points. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily unheard of, but giving up that many yards on the ground. Uh, and, and Kentucky got a lot last week. Kentucky's going to come in here with their head on fire and expect them to still be able to do the same thing. But I think Mark Stoops is also smart enough to know, okay, Georgia's going to expect that, so I've got to find another way. I've got to find another way. So we're going to get to the keys here coming up in a minute, and they have a lot more to do with kind of how I feel about what it's going to take. Right now we're just talking about a couple of these different things. So kind of getting into the preview right now, Georgia right now is averaging offensively 481.2 yards per game, talking about the offensive side of the ball. Rushing it for almost 150 yards per game. I think that's a little bit lower than where we usually are. But we're throwing the ball great. Like I said, 332.6. Like I've been saying, Carson Beck is fine. He's doing great. We're averaging over 300 yards uh, per game through the air. And I'll say this every week. It still cracks me up that we have a lot more touchdowns on the ground than we do through the air. But all of our yardage is coming through the air right now. Um, Really a, a... I think some of this is slightly stunted because those first couple of weeks of the season, we didn't run like you would think we should have against inferior opponents. Um, And a lot of that credit to uh, credit to DeJon Edwards, the past couple of weeks coming back and being back. Um, And and whenever we get a a truly healthy Kendall Milton, uh, I think the running back room is going to be fine. I think we'll get back to the, the Georgia of old, you know, we've had Dylan Bell who's, who's having that multi-role, uh, running the wide receiver routes and then having to slide over and be a running back. Um, I think we're asking a lot of him, but I think he stepped up in a big way and helped us in a lot a lot of different ways, not only through the air, but also being that uh, extra runner, having, the, having those legs and having that twitch. That's probably the biggest part of it, like we talked about last week. Making that first man miss means a lot. It means a lot for you as a runner to be able to be effective against the defense that you're playing. Um, so I think that's a really big part of this as well. And uh, <clears throat> but defensively, I think I think Georgia's going to be fine. I, th- I think we we kind of concern ourselves a lot with you know the way I think we concern ourselves a lot because we're afraid of what Kentucky did last week in comparison to can they do that against Georgia's defense this week? Like I said, I don't anticipate that to happen. Not saying that it ne- won't necessarily. Not saying that it's not going to, but I don't anticipate it. Again, it's very rare for Georgia to have a game where a team runs all over them and not to correct that to where that doesn't happen again. I mean, most of the time, just like in the game last week, yes, Auburn ran for 145 yards in the first half of that game, which was all of the yardage that that Georgia had in the entire first half. So Georgia offensively had only gotten 145 yards in that game up to the half. Auburn had rushed for that alone. Now, we held them from throwing the ball very much, but they ran all over us generally in the second half and they didn't run for a lot more than that like i said in the second half only what 50 something yards more in the second half uh georgia doesn't allow that to happen and they they are good enough to be able to adjust for that at halftime and limit that in the second half which they did but especially for the next game coming for georgia not to adjust would be a shock to me would be a big shock to me. So I, I, I fully expect Georgia to adjust to what Kentucky did last week to Florida. They won 33-14 to 14 over Florida last week, 398 total yards. This was the big one, though, 329 yards of those. I mean, that's, that's 80% of the yardage that they got was on the ground. Almost 400 yards of offense 
330 of that was on the ground. 70 of that's through the air. 69 yards is all they threw the ball for. So that kind of leads me to my keys. My keys. And I want to start defensively just because we're talking about Kentucky's offense uh, right here. Stopping the run. That's the first key of all of this. But I think it's going to stem a lot more heavily from this. we got to stop the run being the first part of this. But in order to do that, I think we have to pressure the quarterback and we've got to make them one-dimensional. In that game right there against against Florida, that's a one-dimensional football team. If you have a team who's rushing for 330 yards against you, but they're only throwing the ball for 69, that's a one-dimensional football team. That is a team who just ran it down your throat and you couldn't stop them and they didn't have a reason to stop because they kept running it down your throat. Okay? And, I, again... If we can make or excuse me, if 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 Georgia can make Kentucky one dimensional in this game, if Georgia can make Kentucky stop running the ball and them have to lean on Devin Leary to throw the ball and a guy who's only thrown for seventy yards there, who to me still is not a hundred percent proven as a quarterback in the SEC, this that's the recipe defensively stopping that team from scoring, really, and from beating you defensively because we've talked about that in years past it used to be defense wins championships and they got away from that for a little while until 2021 georgia showed up and that was a defense who it didn't matter if their offense scored 20 points we scored more than that but you weren't scoring on the defense and that made a huge difference that season also helped a lot last season and it's going to have to make an impact this season as well we have to be able to limit that we have to be able to stop that run like i said defensively pressuring the quarterback so trying to make them one-dimensional where if you're pressuring the quarterback and you're able to stop the run, they're not going to be able to do anything to you, making them one-dimensional in that way as well. Then offensively, offensive line blocking, giving us that ability to be able to run the ball like we've talked about in weeks past and wanting to get more effective at that. When you're able to run the ball successfully, you can throw the ball successfully because that's where you get that play action in and you're actually able to move the ball down the field, which I expect Georgia to be able to do that. We talked about this a little bit earlier. It's getting Carson Beck more and just getting more accurate. You know, it's not necessarily that. And he doesn't have bad numbers. I think he's throwing for 70 to 71% uh, completion percentage right now. So he's not necessarily inaccurate, but it's on those deep shots. That's what I want to see the accuracy start to cry creep up and climb up for georgia uh, because right now we have got a lot of deep passes that are happening and he's connecting on some of them but not nearly as efficiently as he should be so getting a little bit more accurate on those especially when he is either not being pressured in the pocket has all the time in the world and a guy who's wide open downfield with nobody within five yards of him got to get got to get more accurate on that uh keep winning third downs georgia's doing really good right now on third down percentages I was hoping I could get this to pull up on the screen for me. Um, I have not got it to pull up on the screen for me yet, but third down efficiency, Georgia has been doing a really good job at that so far this season. Yeah, I can't get it to pull up. It's not the end of the world, though. Has been doing really good. Did really good against Auburn last week, and this was one of the things I wanted to look at and say, okay, is this is this what's affecting Georgia? Is Georgia not getting off the field on third down? And they are. Defensively, we, we held Auburn, I think, to two first downs on third down last week. May have only been one, um, but very effective defensively. And then offensively, we did well there as well. I think we were at like 75% first downs on third down, converting those third downs. So keep winning that third down battle. 
offensively as another. And then the last key of the game, this it's an offensive key technically, but it's it's kind of an all around key, and that's don't turn the ball over. Let's let's not let's stop and limit these turnovers because when you're giving Auburn the ball in plus territory and they're they're taking advantage of it and scoring it every time, you're going to have a game that's 27 to 20. You're going to have a game that's going to be a a a knockdown drag out in the end that shouldn't be that you should be able to pull away with. But if you're giving them the ball, it all it does is give them the opportunity uh, uh, to fight back against you. And we did it against UAB again. Luckily, that's more of an inferior opponent that Georgia was able to take care of in the end, in the second half, and pull away from that game. At Auburn, at Jordan Hare or Jordan Hare, Georgia, Georgia. I'm not going to say got lucky because champions find a way to win, and that's what Georgia did in that game. Um, and yet to see will will this create and make a a championship winning team? We're going to see. Uh, but that's what you got to do. You've got to be able to hold on to the football and I I put it as not necessarily just offense because defensively I don't think that matters as much I'd love to cause the turnovers for sure so that could be kind of both sides on that but it's special teams too you know muffed punts uh, fumbling on a kickoff something like that especially like last week it it wasn't special teams this was offensively you know Oscar Delp catching it coming out of that second half out of the out of the half starting the second half excuse me that was a, that's a biggie, man. When we're giving the ball up and we're just getting the ball back after not getting it before the half, trying to drive down and get points, we need the points right now. And to fumble right there coming out of the half, that hurt. That hurt a lot. Uh, so we've got to protect the football in the keys to the week. Um, the past couple of games, I saw some of these stats. Um, George is very, 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 very good against Kentucky. The last time, this is kind of a wild stat that I heard earlier, the last time that Georgia lost, and this is kind of also a scary thing as I think about it now also, um, the last time that Georgia lost a night game in Sanford Stadium was 2009 against Kentucky. Georgia's got a 7 o'clock kickoff night game in Athens against Kentucky. This is a really good football team that's coming in. I'm not trying to take anything from them. This is a very good football team that's coming in to play Georgia. Luckily, getting to play host to them and it being a night game and not a 12 o'clock kick, not a 3 o'clock kick, not a 3.30 kick on CBS. You got the 7 o'clock slate. You get the big slate that everybody wants. I know Kirby would rather play those 12 o'clock so you can talk to recruits and enjoy them for a little while afterwards and be able to talk with everybody and then enjoy the rest of your night, whereas this is a anticipation. You're waiting on it. And, and luckily, there's a lot of big games that are going on before for us as fans because we get to watch them. But there's still that anticipation of, man, we got a big game that's coming up tonight in Athens, and, and we got to be ready for it. Um, so on the, on the game, I do, in the end, think that Georgia takes care of business. 37-17 to 17 is my official score prediction there. Shout out to at the dog father. And I'll make sure that I put this up on Twitter or X, whatever you call it now. You guys write in for that. What is it now? Is it Twitter? Is it X? I'm going to just keep calling it Twitter because Xing just sounds weird when you say that's what you're doing instead of tweeting. Even though they don't call it a tweet now, it's not even a retweet, it's a repost. But, anyways, that's the official score prediction on it. Shout out to the at the dog father for, uh, for the picture there that we put up. And, and if you guys have any pictures of Sanford Stadium from your times at games, Make sure you send them over to at Dog Talk 20 on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you guys want to send them. You can even email them, I'm pretty sure, to dogtalk20 at gmail.com. Um, but send them over that way, and I'll be sure to shout you guys out if we use it on a graphic uh, coming up over the next 
couple of weeks as we continue through the season. But that's the official score prediction for me. 37 to 17, Georgia. That line opened at like 17, and I think it ended, didn't end, but what I saw that earlier is all the way down to like 14. Uh, I think at one point I saw it even 14 and a half, but it changed from that as well, and it's down to 14. So that's what I've got on it. That's what I've got the preview uh, for the dogs and the Wildcat. I think it's going to be a good game. I look forward to it. I think that 37 to 17 is probably for me. I think it's like a 24 to 10 kind of game in the third quarter. So it's not necessarily out of hand. Then it makes it like 24 to 17, keeps it a little bit close. And I think fourth quarter, Georgia actually gets a couple of scores to put that one away uh, and end up putting Kentucky to bed by the end of it, which I'll look forward to by the end of Saturday. If that's kind of the way things go, I'll be excited for that. Um, so that's what I got. That's what I got. We got some other big games that are going on around the country, though. This is a this is a loaded weekend. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about man, we we shouldn't worry even if it's not a loaded weekend. Just the fact that college football's back, and here we are, right at the halfway point of the season, already being over regular season wise, anyways. And and we've had some weeks that were pretty good, some that were like meh. But this is a really good week. We've got really good football games on tap for this weekend. A couple of them that I was looking at here, LSU. Number 23, LSU at number 21, Missouri. That one's at 12 o'clock. You've got like three really good kicks at 12 o'clock. Number 12, Oklahoma at number three, Texas. That's at 12 o'clock. And then you have a not ranked but undefeated Maryland playing at number four, Ohio State, also at 12. So that's three games that we're all going to be kind of flipping around uh, through Washington State at UCLA at three. Number 11, Alabama at not ranked, Texas A&M at three o'clock. This one's big. This one's really big because we know that Jimbo Fisher is what he is, right? He, he No changing him, whether you like him or not. But he has had a tendency to be able to beat Nick Saban. And he, he's I think he's done it twice now. I think last year they did it, and then it was a couple of years ago. Could be wrong about that. That's okay. Make sure you guys tweet me about that as well, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll correct it. But this line opened, I think, at like four Alabama's way on the road at Texas A&M, headed to the 12th man. When I looked at it earlier, it's at like one. It's dropped all the way to one, and there's a reason. Man, it ain't often it ain't often that Vegas gets it wrong. It's really not. There, there have been a ton of times when I'm watching a game and I'm going, how do they set this line at two and a half and it finishes a, a field goal football game? That's crazy. That's cr- weeks out, like – most of it's, you know, the week of as it kind of fluctuates. But that's that's going to be a good one. It's going to be a big one. Syracuse, North Carolina, always spells to be maybe trouble. Obviously, number 20, Kentucky at number one, Georgia at 7 o'clock. Arkansas at Ole Miss, that's going to be a good one also at 7. Michigan and Minnesota at 7. Notre Dame, Louisville at 7. So you got a huge 7 o'clock slate there. You get to watch it at 12, big games. Three, some big games. 7 o'clock, some big games. So as the other as these big games are ending – other big games are coming on so that's at least kind of fun oregon state at cal arizona at usc those are just a couple of good ones i did not realize next friday is october the 13th it's friday the 13th interesting and it's in october which we're getting closer to halloween anyways so that is some of the other big games that are going on around the country which brings me to my weekly picks i'll get all of these graphics loaded up for you guys and post them over on Instagram and Twitter, at DogTalk20, if you guys want to follow us there. Uh, if you guys, I, I should have plugged this earlier, if you guys uh, haven't already, make sure you go over and check out the YouTube channel. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit the thumbs up, 
make sure you subscribe to the channel. I'd greatly appreciate it. So, coming off of that, the weekly picks this week. This is how they're going to line up for me. Georgia over Kentucky. Not taking the spread. You guys that have listened or watched long enough, you know that uh, if I'm not taking the spread, there's a reason for that because when I take it, they don't. When I don't, they do. I picked it 37-17, to 17, so I could very easily take the spread that's now like 14, but I'm not doing it. I'm just taking Georgia winning over Kentucky. Then I got Texas over Oklahoma. Texas is a five-point favorite. I think Texas is a really good team. Not trying to make that comparison of what they were last year, but Texas won that game like 49 to nothing last year. And Texas is a good enough team. I don't think they're going to win it that big, but I think Texas, even though it's at, or I guess it's neutral, so they play like Cotton Bowl, but uh, I think Texas is good enough to beat them by more than five. You know, I, I really see this like a 14 point, 17 point game Texas way. Texas is a really good football team. There's a reason that I have them number one on my top five uh, from this past week. Then we got A&M and Alabama playing. I'm, I'm, I, I really don't like to pick against them because every time I do, it doesn't really work out that way. A lot of that's because I always pick Ole Miss to do it, and they've never done it. But there's something about this one. There's something about this one. People were talking about how good of a game Jalen Milrow had last week. The dude just ran all over him because he was running for his life. Texas A&M, for all that they are, they may not have the greatest offense. they got a really good defense. And if they can stop that and they can find a way to score a couple of times, I really think this is going to be – I don't know what the over-under is on it, but – I think this is probably going to be a lower-scoring game. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to give it to Texas A&M. It's a one-point spread is what it's all the way down to, like we, like I said a minute ago. But I, I'm going Texas A&M on this one. Obviously, it's not even worth picking a, a, the point spread on it because it's it's basically just a pick them at one. Um, but give me A&M over Bama. We'll see. That may be the one that I bite back uh, against. But then I've got Notre Dame, Louisville, just another kind of a good matchup. I think that's a, a ranked-on-ranked matchup as well. Is Louisville ranked? Yeah, they're 25th, so they're right, right there at the bottom. But Notre Dame, I, I, I'm buying into them. Maybe I shouldn't. You know, years pass, they, they get there, and then they just kind of, you know, they kind of crap out on you. But I'm taking Notre Dame over Louisville. Also, give me that 6.5, which is what I saw it at earlier at least. Uh, for Notre Dame over Louisville and that. That's that's my picks on the week. Um we'll see how they work. I have not looked to see what my uh what my thing was last week. I think it's like seventeen, sixteen and one. I'm right at five hundred. So maybe this week, I don't know. Maybe this isn't a this is a good week. I'm not trying to go too bold with it, but maybe we can kind of get a little bit better and further away from that five hundred in the in the plus side. That would be okay with me. Um so looking around I don't think I have really anything else for us, but that's the review. That's the that's the Georgia or preview, excuse me, Georgia Kentucky preview. Big, big game this weekend. I'm fired up about it. I'm excited. Some big games that are going on around the country outside of just Georgia. Looking forward to getting to check all of them out as we get into things this weekend. I'll check in with you guys on Sunday after the game. Go dogs.